Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's children said, Amen. So on this third Sunday of Advent, in our Advent journey, we continue to come closer to hearing the story of Jesus' birth from Mary's perspective, from Adam Hamilton's book, Not a Silent Night. And I just want to recap where we've been so we know where we're headed. Uh, First Sunday in Advent, we talked about the time just after the ascension, 15 years before Mary's death, and we talked about what she would have been doing during that time. Excuse me. Then last week we moved a little bit closer to the foot of the cross with Mary as she remembered all that she had been told about Jesus up to that point. And today we move even closer to the birth by looking at a time frame when Mary was about in her 20s, but more specifically, Jesus was 12. Family traveling to Jerusalem for Passover. And this story from Luke is the only story we know of in Jesus' childhood. We know we have what are often called the infancy stories in the Gospels, but we only hear of Jesus again when he's 30. Not only is it the only story from Jesus' childhood from today, but it's also the last story we hear that includes Joseph. Joseph is believed to have died sometime between this story and the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. This is also where we have the first recorded words of Jesus. Now last week I mentioned that Hamilton believes that these stories touched Mary's life so deeply that she decided that she needed to share them. But why would she pass this one, this story about when Jesus was 12, why would she pass this one along? Why would Luke even choose this one? Maybe there was a time when you were out with your kids And one of them somehow managed to get out of your sight? I mean, we can relate to that sudden feeling, right? We're out with family or friends and children, and children are vulnerable, unaware of what the world is like, and in that one split second, your child is gone from your sight. Remember that feeling? The anxiety because you can't see them? The rush of adrenaline that gets your feet moving? The urgency of your voice as you call out their name, the tightening of your stomach muscles as you start to think, what could have happened to them? And then, as you're searching and yelling their name, the release of all of that when you spot your child across a parking lot, in the amusement park, or in the backyard, wherever it is, when all of that anxiety just drops away and you're overwhelmed with joy and relief of finding your son or your daughter, And then the parental words we've all said at one time or another, don't you ever do that to me again. You stay where I can see you, don't run off again. And then the embrace that never seems to last long enough, but it's long enough that our kids get uncomfortable and start to squirm within the embrace as they promise not to do that, and then they say, please, just let me go out and play again. So now let's come back to the Story from Luke, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus headed to Jerusalem for Passover, a requirement of every Jewish male living within a reasonable distance to travel to Jerusalem to be there. It wouldn't be uncommon as we do today in a crowded environment for parents to say, now stay close, there are a lot of people here, and I don't want to lose you. 
It's estimated that for that particular week, more than 300,000 people descended on the city of Jerusalem for the festival. For Mary and Joseph traveling by caravan from Nazareth, it would have taken about a week as they camped along the way. Of course, once Passover ended, the whole group began to travel back to Nazareth. Possibly after about 10 hours of travel, they stopped at their encampment for the night. And now you imagine you're finished traveling for the day. You're ready to relax from the night and travel again the next morning. And someone says, where's Yeshua? Where's Jesus? Mary and Joseph look at each other. I thought he was with you. Well, I thought he was with you. They've just lost the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. They have lost him. What do you say at a moment like that? Oops. Mary and Joseph make a hurried trip back to Jerusalem with a sense of panic growing as they get there and they begin their search going from place to place where they may have stayed, from house to house, searching high and low, but he wasn't there. Do you feel what Mary was feeling? Can we begin to understand why for the rest of her life she would tell this story? As we continue in the scripture, when they found Jesus in the temple, it says, they were astonished. Hamilton is clear in his writing that astonished does not mean that they were excited. It means they were dumbfounded. You can imagine the beginning of the conversation from Mary and Joseph, right? You've got to be kidding me. What in the name of Jehovah are you doing here, son? Why don't you try to find us? Scripture records Mary saying, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you with great anxiety. The Greek word for anxiety used by Luke in several other places is used to describe the feeling that Mary and Joseph were having. It's also used to describe the torments of hell by the rich man in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And using that particular Greek word, Luke is trying to convey the overwhelming sorrow that Mary felt. Or to put it another way, something we would probably say, talk about the living hell that Jesus put them through. This is a story not just about Mary and Joseph trying to find Jesus, but a, a story of parents and kids that's been going on for ages. In other words, this is our story. We remember the stories of our kids and retell them because sometimes they're some crazy stories. But more importantly, in our minds, they are pivotal, important stories. I mean, why else would Mary tell this story? She experienced three days of grief not knowing what happened to him. Does that sound familiar? Three days of grief and pain followed by nothing but light? We know, like Mary and Joseph, that parenting is not easy. There are times that are filled with great and unspeakable joy, and others, to be honest, that were a living hell. We love our children so much, and we want the best for them. To this day, I remember hating to see my son get hurt playing sports. Only one time did I ever embarrass him by running out on the soccer field to scoop him up after an injury because the referee didn't blow his whistle in timing that I thought was appropriate. We remember as parents the first day of school for our kids, 
getting their driver's license, making friends, some of which we questioned and were not good influences on them. Having them go off to college, not knowing what they're doing or experiencing, whether they are making good decisions or not. We no longer have control over them. Our kids wanting to not be like us and distance themselves from us. I had to share this quote from the book where Adam Hamilton says, Adolescence, what an awful invention. Although to this day I'm proud of my children. And some would say the fact that I have no hair has something to do with how they grew up. You might say that's where you get your gray hair from. Like Mary and Joseph, we too come to the conclusion that all we can do for our kids is to love them, to pray for them, to trust them in God's hands. I mean, the image we have of Christmas and life is it's supposed to be easy and peaceful and beautiful and filled with awe and wonder and mystery. We sing about it every year, silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright. Maybe, but we often have moments of pain and grief as well. Even scripture is clear that Jesus gave his parents difficulty. So it's pretty clear the reason Mary remembered this story and retold it was because it was traumatic for her. But she also told it because it was a defining moment in her life. They had finally found him after three days of searching. Mary expresses her anxiety to Jesus. And then we hear him say, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Mary says, your father and I have been searching. And Jesus says, he has to be in his father's house. Did you catch that? Was it at that moment that Jesus became aware that God was his father in a way that Joseph was not? Again, Mary must have remembered the words spoken to her by the angel Gabriel as she shared this child would be the son of the Most High. Some argue this was the moment that Jesus claimed that special relationship with God. And at the end of the scene, Scripture tells us that he grew in wisdom and understanding. And the next time we encounter Jesus in Scripture after that is when he's 30 and he's being baptized by John. And he hears a voice claiming, you are my son, the beloved. Another reason Mary recounted this story to others probably was the, the response of people to the words of Jesus. We're talking about a 12-year-old young boy. Now imagine this 12-year-old reading scripture and preaching. And after his preaching, people are moved by what they hear this child say. Scripture says that after three days they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. And it says all who heard were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Again, words are important. The Greek word for amazed is existeme. It doesn't mean the thought that he wasn't, it doesn't mean the thought that he was a smart kid, but the word's definition means that they were, in a sense, blown away as they listened to him. They were utterly astounded, even a bit unnerved, if you will. Existemi, along with 
two other Greek words are used to convey utter amazement. Many of the gospel writers use these words over and over again to describe the amazement in the response listening to Jesus. Even in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew says, when Jesus finished, the crowds were astounded. For he taught us one having authority, not like the scribes. Time and again, the scriptures share utter amazement and astoundment of the people. He astounded Zacchaeus going to his house. He, he called James and John, Peter and Andrew in amazement as he simply said, come, follow me. Or Levi the tax collector when he left his collecting booth to follow Jesus. Often in seminary, as seminary students getting our degrees, we heard people talk about C and E and sometimes M Christians. In other words, Christmas and Easter and sometimes Mother's Day Christians. So the only times people would come to church, some of them. But the fact is by skipping from Christmas to Easter, we miss a lot of what Jesus says and what he shared. Sure, the, the cross is a symbol of our salvation, but Jesus came to do much more. He came to show us the way, teach us the truth, and offer us abundant life. Jesus' words astounded and amazed the people. Those words had the power to change lives, and they still have that power today. His words call us to love God and love others. His words call us to be light in the midst of darkness. His words call us to forgive and to show mercy. His words give us an ethic for living life, like in the Sermon on the Mount. His parables show us what the kingdom and kingdom living can be like. The term Christian was often used as a derogatory remark. Followers of Jesus were, early on, were said to be followers of the way. Why? Because Jesus provided his words and witness to a way of life, a path to follow, a mark to aim for. He taught people to take up their cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. He taught us what it was truly to be like to be a servant to others. It isn't just as some say that Jesus died for you. It's more than that. He lived to call us to a different way of life in the world and living with each other. The words he shared are words to live by and words to die by. So we come at Christmas to celebrate the hope and the resurrection and the gift of salvation, but we come to celebrate more than that. We come to celebrate the birth of the one who came to live to show us the way to be the truth and life for us. So does Jesus still astound you? Do his words astound and amaze you in Scripture? Is it more about Christmas and Easter for you than the, the totality of Jesus' life and teaching death and resurrection and how to live life, love God and others? That 12-year-old boy in the temple that day amazed the religious leaders with his words. Mary and Joseph and so many more were amazed and astounded by those words. If we're not amazed and astounded, if we're not willing to live and love by the words he shared and the life he lived, then we're missing why we celebrate Christmas. 
So for this, the rest of Advent, and for the days following, I'm challenging you to be astounded once more, to be amazed again with the words of Christ, so that what is born in you this Christmas and those around you is not cynicism and judgment, but hope and peace and love for God and love for each other. Amen.